Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to thank you for joining us here today. We've been talking a great deal over the last number of weeks about something that is, I believe, very important to the body of Christ, and that is the fact that we need to be changed in the way we think. We started this study talking about Moses and the fact that Moses was highly qualified in the natural to be the deliverer of Israel from Egypt. However, when he attempted to do that, He failed miserably. Why did he fail? Because Moses thought like an Egyptian and not the way God wanted him to think. Uh, He was raised in an Egyptian household. He was trained as an Egyptian. He was uh, educated in all the ways of Egypt. We found from studying history that he was actually 40 years old when he went out to see his people and try to help them. Uh, And at that time, not only was he a nobleman, was he... uh, Uh, educated, but he was also a soldier and a general. So all of these things contributed to how Moses thought, not just what he thought. That's so important. I keep harping on that, but I believe we need to grab hold of the fact that how we think changes what we think, or more uh, accurately, it changes how we interpret what we see, the facts that come into our mind. So what we think will be determined by how we think. Moses thought like an Egyptian general. He thought like an Egyptian nobleman. And so when God would speak to him and say, "Uh, I want you to stretch out your rod on the Nile River and it will become blood, he couldn't even conceive of that. He would never have obeyed that because he would not have understood that that was what God wanted him to do, or more importantly, that it was possible. How could that even happen? He thought like an Egyptian general. So when he decided to deliver his people, even though God had called him to do it, he did it like an Egyptian. It took God 40 years to change the way he thought. You and I think the way we've been raised to think. We think in terms of things like uh, our background, our education, our financial status. Moses thought like an Egyptian. I was raised in an American household by working class people, by blue collar people. They were not highly educated. They were good people. They were not dumb or anything like that, but I was not one of the elite and I didn't think that way. And so my thoughts of how things could happen, what God could do in my life was affected by that. And I needed to change how I thought so that God could do in me what he needed to do and so that I could live the way God wanted me to live. And so that process is so important to each and every one of us. Now, we learn from Isaiah 55 verse 8 that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Again, I believe that those are connected ideas. His ways are higher because his thoughts are higher. Then he talks about 
about rain and snow and his thoughts are like when rain and snow come to the earth. Well, rain and snow, and, and we don't think of snow uh, keeping us from drought, but in places like where I live, the snow is very important. The more snow we have, the more groundwater we have. And the more rain we have, the more groundwater we have. And if we have sufficient groundwater, then when it's hot in the summer, we won't have drought. And so his words are like that, or his thoughts, I should say, are like that, in that they change what's underneath in our thinking and in our lives. And then it says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It'll do what I want it to do. What does he want it to do? Well, the whole thought here is one thought. His thoughts and his ways are different than ours. How are we going to begin to think his thoughts and therefore operate in his ways? We're going to do that by meditating in his word. His word comes into our life. His word comes into our mind and it really overwrites. Uh, we use the, the illustration of computer operating systems. Whatever a computer does, it has to do it according to whatever its operating system is. Phones have an operating system. Apple computers, uh, PC computers, they all have a different kind of operating system, and they can only think, if you will. They can only give us information in ways that are, are uh, in line with how that operating system is written. We need a new operating system. We need to begin to think differently. Uh, and, and that begins, we said last time, with being born again. Being born again is not some change in our uh, religion. It's not some change in philosophy. To be born again is a change at the level of our being where we were created in the image and likeness of God. The fall in the Garden of Eden changed something inside of us, and that is what changed how we think. And so we need a change inside before we can change how we think. That's the new birth. When I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, something radically changed inside of me. What was dead became alive again. The separation inwardly between me and God was eliminated and I was once again joined vitally to him and to who he is. And we tell our children, Jesus lives inside of you. Well, that's the truth. God takes up residence in us and we are once again at one with him. But that's inwardly. Why don't we live it? Why don't we receive everything God has for us? Why can't we walk in his blessings and in his commandments? Because our minds have yet to be changed. Hallelujah. Paul uh, said a number of things I want to just, again, point to in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The, the Salvation, the idea of salvation is foolishness to the world out there. Why? Because they can't think that way. They don't think that way. They think like they have been trained to think by the world system. And so when you talk to them about Jesus, when you talk to them about being born again, it really makes no sense until God touches them, until God pierces through their heart. Now, the word of God called the gospel has the power to do that. But then again in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 14, he says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Stressing that again, we have the mind of Christ. We think like Christ. Last time we talked about how Jesus thought different than everybody else. Why? Because he was the word made flesh, because he was in absolute relationship with God the Father, and his way of thinking was determined by the word of God and by that relationship. And that's exactly what we need to have happen in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are we going to walk in the will of God? We need to be renewed in our mind. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I want to read this in the New Living. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I like that. It's saying exactly what I've been saying. We need to change the way we think, and that's how transformation will be accomplished in our lives. In the Amplified, it says it this way, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adopted, adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas deals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. That's what we're after here. We don't want to be fashioned or, 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 or made or put together or our thinking determined by the external things, the superficial customs, but we want to be transformed by new ideals and new attitudes. And those things will lead us to proving for ourselves that God's will for our life is good in every way. Hallelujah. And so how does that happen? It happens through the interaction of the word of God and the spirit of God in our lives. It's not one or the other. There was an old saying, you know, or an old argument, maybe in a way that produced an old saying. And that argument was, do we need the spirit more or do we need the word more? Well, we need both. The old saying is, if you're all word and no spirit, you'll dry up. If you're all spirit and no word, you'll blow up. But if you have the word and the spirit working together in your life, you'll grow up. Hallelujah. And that's what we want to see happen in our lives. Now, What we want to begin with, and I don't know how far I'll get on it today, uh, but we want to begin to really look in detail to how this process works in our lives. And we're going to begin that uh, that study by looking at Mark chapter 4, and first of all, verse 26. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now, The way that's worded, it it can kind of get muddled, but really, basically, it's just saying this. The kingdom of God works this way, or this is how the kingdom of God works, as a man should scatter seed on the ground. There's another uh, place that I just want to touch on quickly in verse 4, chapter 13. He says, 
to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? And the them is his disciples. He says, if you can't understand this parable, you're not going to understand anything I'm trying to say to you. But if you, conversely, if you understand this parable, you're going to have an understanding of how things in the kingdom of God work. And that's uh, that's what he says in verse 26. This is how the kingdom of God works. It's like a man sowing seed in the ground. Now, earlier on, he talks about the seed being the word of God. And we'll look at that later. The seed being the word of God and the ground being the heart of man. As he's explaining this parable to his disciples, that's what he says. So we're talking about the word of God being put into the ground. And this is how things are going to work in your life and in my life. This is how the word of God will will change how you think. It says, and he must sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. You know, we were in Kenya talking in some rural areas this year and uh, there were a number of people there who were farmers. And as I began to talk about this, lights were going on in their eyes because they knew exactly what I was talking about. For those of us in the United States, Some of us may have gardens. You may be a a gardener. You may raise uh, all your vegetables and things. But from my point of view, the vegetables come from the vegetable section in the supermarket. And the meat comes from the meat section, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how things work. I'm not a farmer. But if you are, you understand what I'm saying. When you put a seed in the ground, it just works. It's There's nothing you can do other than keeping it watered, fertilized, and cultivated. There is nothing you can do to make the seed that's in the ground germinate and produce. It happens automatically. Why? Because God created seeds to work with the ground to produce life. You know, a seed, when it's just a seed, it looks absolutely dead. There's nothing to it. There's, it's not soft. It's, it's kind of hard. It, it doesn't do anything. It's often, they're not very good looking. They're sometimes downright ugly. And yet in that seed is the DNA to produce whatever plant it came from. Do you know that the word of God, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that it is a living thing. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so this, this word of God, when we look at it in the natural, it looks like just words on a page, just like a seed, just looks like a little grain of something or a little nut at times. And yet there is something in that seed that has the power to produce the life of the plant that it came from. The seeds in the word of God. Jesus, um, excuse me, Paul said all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All of the promises in this word of God, they're all seeds. They all contain the life. What life? The life of the promise. So if we need healing in our body, there are seeds that we can plant into our heart and our mind. Not that necessarily change our body. What will change our body is the power of God coming into that body. But you see, the seed creates the life, creates the channel, creates the connection to whatever it's designed to do. In other words, healing, 
Seeds produce healing in the body. How do they do that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, Blessing seeds or provision seeds. Let me put it to you this way, because everybody doesn't like the term prosperity anymore, even though everybody's out there chasing it. But that said, provision seeds will produce provision, the things that I need. Jesus said, don't worry about what you need. What, What should we be doing? We should be planting those seeds into our heart and mind. Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, it says he did not consider his body. He didn't think about his body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. No, uh, Abraham was effectively impotent. He, he was 100 years, 90 years old, 100 years old by the time the promise actually came to pass. And uh, he couldn't have children anymore. And his wife never could have children. And yet he, the Bible says he didn't consider that. He didn't think about that. He didn't give weight to that. What did he consider? He considered the promise of God. In his case, that promise came from the voice of God in a vision, in a dream, into his heart, but it still was the word of God. It's no different than the word that we read today in terms of its nature, in terms of its being full of life. And so God put in Abraham a seed that said, you're going to be the father of nations. He considered that seed. He thought about that seed. He kept that seed in his heart. His heart was the ground that God designed to enable that seed to produce life. And the more he thought about it, the more he'd meditate on it, the more it allowed that seed to stay inside of him until finally, when he was far too old, when it was far too impossible, nobody would think about having a baby at 190. That was their ages. Nobody would think about that. But he had so changed his way of thinking through the promise that everything, everything in his life was seen through this promise. I cannot die until I have the child of promise. And that's exactly what happened in his life. Why did it happen? Because the seed of the word of God produced a change in his thinking, which opened up the channel for the power of God to do what God wanted it to. To do. That's what this scripture is talking about. He says you put the seed in the ground and the ground and the seed do what they were designed to do. Now, let me bring this back to us. The word of God is full of seeds. That's the main way its power works in our lives. And when we put the seed of the word of God into the ground of our heart, then it automatically begins to produce the life that's in the seed. So the more seeds I put in, in the more different kinds of areas of life, whether it's healing, whether it's uh, provision, whether it's overcoming sin, whether it's forgiveness, this, this this is in every area of life, in any area where you can identify that you need something. You need to grow? Well, put words, seeds from God's word into your heart and into your mind about growing up in God. They're in the word of God and they will begin to do something. They will begin to change some things in your heart and mind until the life in that word is released and the power of God can produce the fruit it was designed to produce. That's exactly what he said in Isaiah 55. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, 
After that, the full grain in the head, but when the grain ripens, immediately the farmer puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. One of the things we must learn is that the seed grows as the seed grows. Any farmer who thinks he's going to put a seed in uh, and, and, and a, a week later get the fruit out of the seed is a foolish farmer. It takes time. And the thing that must happen, now again, there's watering and there are ways that we water the word in our life through prayer, through worship, through study, through reading and meditating. There is fertilization. All of those things also tend to fertilize the word. When I praise God, that fertilizes the promises of God that are in my life. When I worship him, there is a there is the essence. Fertilization enriches the soil so it can produce the life. Worship and praise, prayer, fellowship with him, all of those things enrich in the soil of our heart so that those seeds can produce. But the seed will produce. That's inevitable. As long as the ground is good, as long as it's watered, as long as it's, it's, it's fertilized, it is inevitable that the seed will produce what the seed was designed to produce. One thing that can stop that is if you went out there every day and dug up the seed and said, well, I don't see anything. This thing's not doing anything. And you try putting it in the ground for a few times. You go out every day, dig it up and say, well, I'm not seeing any fruit. This is This must be a bad seed. Well, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the farmer that's got the problem because you can't dig up the seed every day and expect it to produce the life of of God that God put in that physical seed. And the same is true of the seed of the word of God. How do we dig it up? By constantly declaring, well, I don't see anything happening. I don't know that God, God is really at work in this. I don't see how this is ever going to work. I just don't understand. God said that this could happen, but, but I don't see a way that it could happen. How could it happen? When we speak that way, when we think that way, what we're really doing is we continually digging up the seed. And then, you know, we kind of get back in tune. We say, okay, well, I I'm just going to keep trusting you. Listen, we all do that. I don't want I don't want anybody to get condemned because you've done that. We all do it from time to time. But what we need to do is understand how the seed works. Let it grow. Keep it in there. How do we keep it in there? By thanking God that he's working in the situation. Somebody says, well, how is this thing uh, working out? Well, if you have some physical information that's relevant, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, well, this is going on or that's happening. But listen, if it's not relevant, then all you need to say is God's at work. You know, God's, God's, my wife has a message someday. I'm going to have her share it with you. God, and, and she says, God is always at work behind the scenes. That seed is producing and just continue to thank him in your private time when your mind, and it will, listen, don't get condemned. This is just the way the devil works and the way our minds work. And, uh, it'll say, well, I don't, I just don't see it. You'll want to worry. You'll want to think about it. You'll want to try and figure out how God could do this. Don't do that. Just begin to use your tongue, use your mouth to thank God. Say, Father, I just thank you. I just declare that your word is true. I declare that you're working in this situation. Father, I'm believing this promise. Speak that promise. Speak the word you're standing on. Back when we were learning to trust God for our finances and we had nothing and we had no potential for anything, but we put the word of Philippians 4.19 into our minds that said, my God, 
shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. There's a qualification to that. And that qualification is that we must be givers. And we were. And so we just kept declaring that word. Father, I thank you that you will provide all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We kept that word in there. We would think about that. If you want to worry, if you will, and this isn't worry, this is really a meditation, but they kind of work the same way. Our mind wants to think about how it couldn't happen, but you just begin to thank God and say, Lord, I thank you. And I like to say, what, what would my life, how would my life change if this promise actually came to pass? The more we keep the word in our heart, the more we keep the word in our mind. I want to touch on something, then we'll come back to that. But Hebrews chapter four says the word of God divides soul and spirit. Now, I believe, and you may agree with me or you may not, but I believe that that there is a difference, certainly between soul and spirit. The spirit is the inner man. The spirit is the part that was born again. The spirit is the part that was created in the image and likeness of God. The mind or the soul is the mind, the emotions, the intellect, the will, those things make up our soulish life. They're the bridge between the inner man and the outward world, the outside world. And so my mind, that's why it, that's why it has to be renewed. Everything that comes to us from the outside goes through it. Everything that God speaks to us on the inside has to go out to get out into the world, has to go through that mind. And sometimes God is talking to us and our mind just won't let us obey. Our, the way we think will just not, not let us accept what God is saying. And sometimes the word is coming to us. Somebody's preaching to us or we're reading it. But our way of thinking, we look at that and we interpret it in a way that God didn't intend for it to be, for it to be interpreted. Or we say things like, well, that was for uh, that was for another day. That God doesn't work that way anymore. Why would God change the way He works? Why would God change what He can do and what He can be in the earth? This is His family. This is His world. He made it, not the devil. The devil got control of it. Why would He change the way He works? Why would He no longer uh, choose? to supernaturally help humankind? Why would he choose not to do the things that he did in the Old Testament or that he did in the life and ministry of Jesus or that he did in the book of Acts? What logic is there? If you're a father, there is no logic in that. I would today do everything I've ever done for my children if I needed to do it or if I could do it to help them. I mean, <laughs> to today, I mean, I think like a father. So whenever one of my children is going through something or, or needs something financially or is hurting, my immediate response is, how can I help them? What can I do? Now, I had to learn that they're God's children too. And I got myself into a little bit of financial trouble by doing that. But that's the nature of a father. Listen, God's not going to get into financial problems because he helps you or any other kind of problem. But see, he hasn't changed. He still works the same way he always did. From the time he created man until this very day, he has been our father. He has been our provider. And all that he has is available to us. That's what the essence of covenant is. When he went to Abraham and said, we're going to make covenant, uh, that's what Abraham understood that to mean. Because a covenant means all that I have is yours. All that I am is yours. In Abraham's case, he really didn't have much to offer God except one thing. He had access into the earth. He could be a man of faith. He could be someone who would allow God to move in his life, who would move through him. And in that way, God could have access to the world. And ultimately, that's what God said. Through your seed, 
all the earth will be blessed. That's what he was after in Abraham. But Abraham understood that meant that all of God's power, all of God's ability, anything God could do also was available to him. That's why when Moses went to deliver the children of Israel, why was all this power available? Because he was doing it as a covenant partner with God. And so that's why he couldn't do it as an Egyptian. An Egyptian wouldn't think that way. But God so changed his thinking that when God said, stretch out that rod, the power of God came and the Nile was turned to blood and all the other 10 plagues and all the other things that happened in that deliverance, all of that came because God has not changed. Well, I've got good news for you. He hasn't changed today either. But one of the big problems we have here in the United States and in the Western world is that we have been trained by our operating system, by the world, by everything that we've been taught, by science, by all those things, none of which are bad, but we've been trained to simply discount that there could be a God of power who would indeed become involved with us. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the natural mind. It can't receive it. It can't understand it. And so the only way for us to walk in that power, for us to understand it, for us to flow with it, is that we need to change how we think. And that process begins by sowing God's seed of the Word of God into our heart, into the lowest part of our thinking, the deepest part of our thinking. I believe the heart. It's a different word than soul. It's a different word than spirit. It's the word cardia. I believe the heart is what science calls the subconscious, and that's where the way we think is determined, what's in our subconscious. So Jesus teaches them that there is a way to change that. But the first thing you got to know, you got to get the seed into the ground and you have to keep it there. Next time, we're going to talk about what it does in there. And this is so exciting. Don't miss next time. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. And we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is Outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you would like to contact us, please email us at livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day. The enemy is no match for us. And soon his captives will.